You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the MLB Extras Mets podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Anthony DeComo, who's in, I've been told, sunny California, Carlsbad, California, for the general manager meetings. Um, Anthony is there, as is the new GM of the Mets, Bertie Van Wagner. We'll certainly talk about that. Uh, the front office as a whole and other things, um, coaching staff and everything. Anthony, just want to start with just a vibe. I mean, it's a, it's a GM meetings, not necessarily the most exciting week of the year, not quite what the winter meetings can be, but it's a chance for teams to kind of really kick off that dialogue, right? Yeah, and that's exactly what happens. I mean, these meetings are an excuse for 30 GMs to get together in the same building, and we all know what happens when 30 GMs get together in the same building. They talk, and and certainly it becomes a um, you know ground for agents to come as well, and, and teams will start the dialogue with there. It's rare that things get finalized this early in the offseason. Um, you know, the, uh, the team's exclusivity uh, negotiating with free agents only just ended, so you know everyone is just kind of touching base, getting an idea of where everyone else is at, and you know, you'll, you'll start seeing stories, um, you know, today, for example, Mets are interested in Andrew Miller. Well, yeah, they're interested in Andrew Miller. They're also interested in Craig Campbell, and they're interested in, in uh, Adam Adovino, and they're interested in Zach Britton. They're interested in every reliever on the market because bullpen help is a need for them. So they're going to be canvassing. They're going to be touching base with every one of those agents uh, on the relief side, on the catching side, uh, potentially on the outfield side in terms of getting another that for the lineup and that is what these meetings are good for is uh, you can have that first contact and you can get a sense of where you stand uh agents can get a sense of what teams need what they're looking for and then as you get deeper into the off season you can kind of hit the ground running a little more and uh start to make those matches and start to make those deals it's not Brody van wagenen's first general manager meetings he's been to many of them as an agent but it is his first as one of the general managers and uh, J.P. Morosi caught up with Brody and actually asked him about first impressions of that. Let's hear from what Brody Van Wagenen had to say. It's been a fun experience. I, I think I've got a chance to see a lot of familiar faces, uh, having conversations and sharing memories from past meetings where I was on the other side. So meeting with the teams has definitely been, been fun. I do feel like there's been a pretty warm welcome from the other, other executives, which is, uh, which is a nice nice refreshing sigh of relief uh, and then as far as meeting with some of the agents it's actually been a uh, been nice to be able to not be competing with them on a daily basis but more trying to work with them in more of a collaborative way Brody, i believe you've said that you'll you'll be involved in all the all the free agents to the extent that you can be how could a player of, of manny machado's ability but also the the salary commitment there fit with your club in 2019 and beyond so i i've been asked about manny machado specifically a lot um you know for me I want to be involved in being able to assess the market for all the free agents and that there's a lot of names out there, not just one particular name. So, you know, I wouldn't put too much stock into him or another name or anybody else beyond the fact that we're being aggressive and communicating to agents our level of interest and we're having those discussions this week and we'll continue those as we go forward in the coming days and weeks. Anthony, he jokes a little bit that uh, he, he's just glad that there was no hazing, um, which is good, but he seems pretty comfortable, obviously, um, talking about the direction of the Mets right now. 
Um, and he's the new guy at these general manager meetings. But as a guy that's been there as an agent, that has to help him get through it. Yeah, he is a new guy, but he's far from a rookie. He, he knows uh, better than everyone what goes on at these meetings. And, and frankly, uh, you know, in terms of knowing the 30 teams inside and out, knowing the executives from those teams, the, the GMs, the assistant GMs, even the support staff lower down, you know, it was his old job to know all of that stuff. So uh, he has as, as good a knowledge and as broad a knowledge as anyone in baseball. And now he's going to have the opportunity to demonstrate what that gets him, what that gets the Mets, what he's able to do with it. Um, you know, I, it's funny because when he gets hired, you hear all these uh, things. Well, how, how will he be received, you know, by the other 29 teams, by the other agents? You know, he left that, that community to join this one. You know, how is that going to go over? This is a this is a business, and this is a high power, high powered, multi billion dollar business. And there is not a team in baseball that's going to say, "Oh, we're we're not going to negotiate negotiate with one of the thirty because we don't like that." Uh, you know, an agent is now their GM, and there's not an agent on earth that's going to take a team out of its market because they don't like. A, and certainly, a team in New York that has money to spend this winter, um, you know is going to say, no, we're not going to negotiate with that team because Brody Van Wagen was an agent and I was the GM. That, that would never happen. So, um, and, and I don't get any sense that that's happened. I think, by and large, um, you know, while there's a curiosity about this move that Brody Van Wagen made from the agent world to the front office, uh, you know, there's also been support. I, I think people want to see it succeed because, you know, from agent i think a there's an element of just it's interesting it's a cool thing it's different it doesn't really happen all that often uh b if it works you can pave the path for for others to do that as well and uh as far as the team side goes you know you you have all these uh, all these teams that are looking to get deals done and, and like i said earlier that know gordy van wagon that know who he is that know uh have dealt with him so many times in the past and um they're just going to continue doing business and, and move on and as time goes by, he'll be more and more known as just Brody Van Wagner, the GM, and not the former agent as time goes. Uh, he's already made a lot of moves um, as far as the coaching staff goes. Hitting coach Pat Riesler, bullpen coach Ricky Bonus are out. Bench coach Gary DiSarcino become the third base coach. Uh, Glenn Sherlock moves from third to first. Ruben Amaro Jr. into the front office. A lot of moves here, um, and it didn't take him long. How quickly did all this come together, and how much do you think he kind of had an idea of the direction he wanted to go before he even officially accepted the job? Oh, very quickly, and, and that was kind of the point uh, that Brody Van Wagenen has said a couple times now is that if we're going to make changes, and, and it's awkward for someone to come in and immediately clean house even to a small extent, uh, but if he was going to do that, he wanted to do it quickly uh, both to give the Mets direction in terms of where they're going to go from here, hiring a bench coach, um, you know, hiring the rest of that staff to fill it out. And also, you know, out of respect for Pat Rossler, who, who was here for a few years and, and those other guys who now will be looking for other jobs out of respect to them and giving them time to do that. So they wanted to do it quickly. Uh, certainly this was something that, you know, they didn't just think of this week. Um, and certainly this was not entirely Brody Van Wagenen's call. You know, Mickey Calloway is well aware of what was going on. Ownership, Jeff Wilpon is well aware of what was going on. And uh, I think everyone was kind of on the same page uh, with these moves. And, and now we'll see. This is a team, uh, you know, the most intriguing one, I would say, certainly is, is hitting coach. This is a team that has struggled for years now to hit, and particularly to hit at home at City Field. And they have unearthed so many different stones 
trying to figure out why that's happening, trying to figure out what they can do to fix it. And nothing has really worked uh, this past year was maybe their worst ever uh, in terms of hitting at City Field versus hitting elsewhere. So uh, they're going to have to figure that out, and it's going to be the number one priority of the new hitting coach to do that. Bonus, Rossler, Sherlock, they were all holdovers from Terry Collins' staff as well. So I guess this also gives Mickey Calloway a chance to kind of get his guys in there. Yeah, and that was something that he did not have an opportunity to do at all last year. Um, there were some holdovers, some of the new guys who came in. Uh, Dave Island, the pitching coach, would be the most prominent one. Uh, also, Gary DiSarcino, who was the bench coach, and now will be the third-base coach. Uh, they were new hires, but they weren't necessarily Mickey Calloway's guys. It, it sounds like now he will have a chance to put some of his guys on staff, which can only help the manager in terms of, of comfort level. And, and, you know, Mickey Calloway will be the first to admit that there were some growing pains on the job this year, and, and certainly he could use that extra added comfort level as he continues to grow into this thing. This is, uh, as we've said many times, is a Mets team that expects to compete, and they can't really afford, you know, more of a growth period. They need to hit the ground running in April. They need to win. And that means that the manager and his coaching staff, like everyone else on this 25-man roster, uh, needs to be in top shape to win at that time. They need them all to produce. Uh, on his way to California, Brody made a pit stop in Arizona, I guess. Uh, Peter Alonzo playing in the fall star game out there. All he did was turn around a 103-mile-per-hour fastball from Nate Pearson and send it back out at 110 miles per hour for a home run in that Fall Stars game. Um, just for some kind of look into those numbers, the hardest pitch ever hit for a home run at the big league level, according to StatCast, Rafael Devers took a roll this Chapman deep 102.8 miles per hour. So impressive stuff from Alonzo and Bertie Van Wagenen. I guess went out to dinner with Alonzo on Saturday. A lot was made in September when Alonzo wasn't called up, obviously, and and things were said by his agent at the time. Um, what do you think Brody's kind of plan or, or what was the goal of that dinner and, and meeting with Alonso, who's going to be obviously part of this team at some point in 2019? Yeah, I, I think this is a kid who was exasperated by the end of last year that uh, is kind of throwing his hands up in the air and saying, what more can I do? <laughs> I mean, he hit the ball as well as, all but maybe three or four people in all of minor league baseball last year. And to not get a call-up, uh, I think for anyone, would be extraordinarily frustrating. And uh, and the word I used at the outset, exasperating. So uh, I think with the new administration coming in, Brody Van Wagenen's goal at this at this meeting, at this dinner, was to just kind of ease Peter Alonzo's mind and say, like, look, we, we haven't forgotten about you. Uh, you are, uh, by, by contrast, you are a priority. Uh, to this team, to this new administration coming in. And I'm sure, look, I wasn't at the table. I wasn't a fly on the wall. I don't know what exactly was said. Uh, I'm sure Brody Van Wagenen did not say, you're going to be our opening day for a space. And I'm sure he did not say, you're not going to be our opening day for a space. And I think it was more of a, look, this is uh, who I am. This is where I stand. Uh, You're an important part of this organization. You're going to be an important part of this organization for many years going forward. And we want you to know that. And I, I think for you know, a 23-year-old who is trying to get his first big break in the professional game, that, that can go a long way towards easing your mind. Certainly, and he's had a big fall after a big season as well. I would say probably not opening day, but as soon as that Super 2 date passes, a good chance we may see Peter Alonso uh, at City Field, right? I mean, it's a new um, 
front office group, but they're still they know those dates. They know those days where where the Super Two kicks in, and I would think we're not going to see uh, Peter Alonso until after that. Yeah, I mean, look, I wouldn't go that far. I think okay. certainly that's going to be a date on everyone's mind. I think that's going to be something that's circled on everyone's calendar. Um, but I also don't think the Mets are necessarily uh, 100% beholden that. It could work out that way. And a lot of it's going to have to do with what Peter Alonso does in spring training. You know, if he has an extraordinary camp, you might not see the Mets wait until that Super Due deadline, which can really be in you know, the first, second week of June at this point. That's a long time to wait. And that's a long time to wait for a team that has playoff aspirations. So if you have a situation like the Mets had last year, for example, where you know, they came into camp thinking Dominic Smith would have a chance to show them something, and he really uh, was hurt and missed the entire camp and showed up late the first game he was supposed to play and had a lot of issues. Um, and and if, if something like that happens again, if Peter Alonso rakes, in March, uh, I think certainly you, you would have a situation where maybe not opening day, uh, but a week or two into the season where you could see him up there on the big league roster. And, and the other thing, uh, certainly there are benefits, uh, big benefits from the team's perspective from waiting until after that Super 2 deadline passes. You can save yourself millions of dollars down the line. But this also isn't you know, an 18-year-old hot shot number one prospect in the game. This is a very good prospect, but he's a college kid, you know, drafted out of college. He's on the older side. You're talking about, you know, potentially when he would be a free agent, he would be in his late twenties. Uh, and, uh, you know, while he has a ton of upside, I think certainly he has his doubters in the game as well. And people who think that maybe he won't make, and maybe he won't be a well-rounded player. There are defensive questions. There are questions uh, if whether what he's done at the minor leagues will translate to the highest, highest level. So uh, I think with guys like that, maybe you don't worry quite as much about those extra million dollars down the line. You just kind of see what he is now and hope he can help you now. Um, but again, those are questions that honestly I don't think the Mets have the answers to right now. I think they want to have him come to spring training and see what he does. And if he forces his way onto the team, you know, so be it. And they'll deal with that fallout six years later. He certainly pushed his way up the levels uh, thus far. All right, good stuff as always. Keep up the good work out there in California, Anthony. This has been the MLB Extras Mets podcast for Anthony DiComo. I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.